Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the John Banks Show, bringing man out of the cave. And we are here on a lovely <laughs> November 1st. Uh, I am here in Columbia, South Carolina, the uh, offices of the West Metro Chamber of Commerce and Business Center. I am here with one of my wonderful co-hosts, Ms. Tiffany Nixon, down in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. How Hello, are you, Hello, I'm great. It's a beautiful day here in Myrtle Beach. Well, that, that's great. And uh, our gentleman turning the knobs today, uh, Mr. Dustin Gilder. How are things in the booth, buddy? Very good. How's things in in Casey, South Carolina? Uh, actually, they are great. They are great. Um, we are uh, going to have an interesting show today, but I want to give out a little information before we get started. Our telephone number is 646-652-2071. Again, 646-652-2071. You can actually listen to us live by that phone number. You can actually listen and uh, call in and actually hear the show over the telephone. Um, You can also chat with us via our chat line, um, which is at the hearwomentalk.com website. Just click on radio chat tab and either sign in or sign up. we are blessed today to be joined by um, a wonderful lady. Uh, she is Miss Jenny, Jenny Paul, and Jenny has done more things than almost anybody I've ever read on the planet, uh, but she has written a book, and this book is about her relationship with her very famous father, Mr. Gabe Paul, who was an owner of four different uh, professional baseball teams, and most notably uh, the New York Yankees in the middle of the 70s, uh, winning titles. And um, she has a, a, a kind of interesting relationship uh, that we'll talk about a little bit. And um, we'll, we'll do that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna just talk about that. It's very interesting, and I think it'll be interesting to a lot of our listeners. Jenny, are you with us? I am with you. It's a beautiful day here in Annapolis, and I'm just wondering um, what people must be thinking when they talk about baseball and bringing men out of the cave. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, Jenny, we're we're going to figure that out, and uh, we're going to uh, go to a term. Jenny, I, I got to ask you a favor. Do you have the radio on in the background? No, I don't. Okay, because we're getting some feedback from somewhere, so. Um, anyway, let me, the, off, let me turn off my computer. I'll turn off my computer. Okay. Maybe that's it. Uh, or I can also move. <laughs> How's this? Is it any better here? That seems to be better. I'm not here. That's perfect. Okay. That's okay. Um, very good. All right. Jenny, the uh, first off, um, you you are quite accomplished in your own right. Uh, you have uh, covered sports with the Washington Post. Um, also with uh, date, the Dayton Daily News, uh, uh, Pearl Surprise uh, winning uh, paper, I assume. Uh, you've been a beat writer, um, porter, covering baseball, football, hockey, tennis. You have been a cook on private planes or a chef on private planes. Right. You have run a birthday party company. Jenny, what have you not done? <laughs> found a successful relationship with a man. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you're all bringing man out of the cave, Jenny, if you want to know that. That's, that's the why. hardest thing one can do in life, is it not? Well, besides raising your children and, yeah. and having them become successful, productive members of society, I would suppose the male-female relationship and understanding it is probably 
the most complicated. I mean, anybody can do birthday parties and pony rides and <laughs> magic shows and things like that, and I think anybody can probably write parts. But uh, the second hardest thing I would say that for me was having a decent relationship with my father, and that's why I wrote the book, The Yankee Princess, Why Dad and I Are in a League of Our Own. And we definitely were in a league of our own in a lot of ways. Well, Jenny, kind of give us a brief overview again why you wrote the book. Give us a little background on your father, your and his relationship, and kind of give us, you know, again, why is this book out there? Why did you put it together? And um, and tell us a little bit about your father and your relationship with him. Well, my father was a baseball man who quit school in the eighth grade and ended up owning the New York Yankees with a group of men, including George Steinbrenner. Actually, he put George Steinbrenner in the group to buy the Yankees. He stayed in the background with most of the teams he was with because he was just uh, a doer, and he didn't need the notoriety. Some people do and some people don't. He started out with the Rochester Red Wings as a bat boy at age 10. Then he met a guy named Warren Giles. Warren Giles became the president of the National League. In the meantime, Warren Giles was with Cincinnati and, and took my dad along with him. When he went to become president of the National League, dad became president of the Reds. He stayed with the Reds for 24 years. He then went and started the expansion Colt 45s in Houston, which became the, the Houston Astros. Um, he wasn't real happy there. And then he went to Cleveland, the Cleveland Indians, where he met George Steinbrenner, and he was with the Indians for quite a while. And then in 1973, he put the group together to buy the Yankees and included Steinbrenner in that group. And along those years, I have four brothers and I'm the second to the youngest, but I have uh, I had a life of sports casting when I was younger and actually covered the Yankees while Dad was the president, general manager, part owner, and, uh, and my dad at the same time, which didn't really mix. But the reason I wrote the book was because I had a daddy hole, I, and that's the only way to describe it or, or the only word for it. You know, I loved him and I hated him at the same time. And I know hate is a strong word, but, you know, the question is, can you love and hate someone at the same time? And this is what I say to people. My dad was the only one I loved and hated at the same time, but he was the only man who never left me, at least on purpose. And I tried my whole life to figure out if he loved me. You know, that's also a lifelong quest with women to, you know, we don't feel loved all the time. So basically, I knew I was going to write a book. I didn't exactly know when or how, and I knew it was going to be based around the New York Yankees because I could tell my story the easiest way through baseball. So it's a it's a father-daughter love story surrounded by the 1977 Yankees when the Yankees won the World Series, basically. Well, I I'm, I want to read something, and I, I'm I'm sorry for stealing something out of the book, but uh, uh, part no, you of the can forward, steal anything you want. <laughs> <laughs> part of the forward was written by um, Peter Gollenbach, uh, one of America's greatest uh, sports authors, and he yes. said, and this is a little long, but I I found this interesting, but but probably just the most true statement. Uh, he said the the book is fascinating in the same way people love watching train wrecks. You know you should not be watching, but you can't take your eyes off it. What is happening to Jenny? You wish she would make better decisions, but when she talks about why she does what she does, it becomes unmistakably clear that she really had no alternative. 
Why couldn't Gay Paul, her dad, have paid more attention to his daughter's wants and needs? It's a story that I'm certain plays itself out over and over in families all over America. Yankee fans will learn a lot, and so will fathers and daughters. Yankee princes reads like Oprah Winfrey beats George Steinbrenner. Who can resist? And and uh, you know, it, Jenny, it was really interesting reading your point of view on so many things, and and mainly how that point of view of what you felt about your father played into all the other relationships in your life, and um, it very very much. Can you tell me how it worked into those early relationships, Jenny? We'll get into Billy Martin and some others as we go, but tell us how it worked in some of the early relationships with you and John. Well, the, the early as far as what age? Well, just as early as you want to take it. Well, I mean, we can go into the relationships with my brothers. I was a total nurturer with my brothers. I wanted to raise them. I thought I was their mother. Um, and it, it continued to relationships I had with... Um, with guys, um, you, you know, they say you always look for your father, and I always said, oh, no, I'm, I'm never looking for somebody like my dad, although he was a lovely man. Uh, I wasn't going to look for someone like my father because I didn't really know if my father loved me, and I was going to find a man who just adored me. But, you know, as you grow and you 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 make your list of of what you want in a man, my list would be, you know, honesty and character, and I picked the exact opposite, alcoholics, um, <laughs> uh, maybe strong personalities, but lack of character, <laughs> and it continued, and even though I knew I was picking the wrong men, um, I, I really couldn't help it, they were bad boys, and I, I liked the bad boy, and I, I liked the nice boys too, but I don't necessarily date them. Did you date a lot of um, of athletes that you met? Well, I didn't date a lot, um, but I did date Billy Martin, who was Dad's manager. And if every, anybody knows Billy Martin, he was a serial philanderer. He was an alcoholic. He had a girl here, a girl there, and and I don't know how many in between. I was one of his in betweens, I guess. But um, you know, I, I was on a search for love, and I think that women actually who grow up with fathers of my generation who could not show their emotion and you know men of that generation they really couldn't show emotion they meant well they were great people some of them <laughs> my dad was a great guy but he could not show his emotion now he didn't show his emotion to the boys either and and the boys my brothers my four brothers they all have a different take on it different than mine um, they said that he loved me more than all four boys combined. So why didn't I feel it? So the book was really a, a search, uh, sort of a, a journey of, you know, well, what is what is the daddy hole I'm talking about, or am I making it up? I don't I don't think you're making it up, and I can actually share some things in my life like you and I discussed. Right now we're going to take our first break. You're listening to The John Banks Show, bringing man out of the cave on Hear Women Talk and the Zeus Radio Network. We'll be back with Jenny in just a minute. My name is Jesse Jordan with Further Faster Initiatives, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Tonight, take an adventure on the Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Explore the haunted swamps where alligators and the ghosts from long ago still reside. Stroll across floating walkways beneath the 
the Spanish moss as your pirate guide leads you by lantern and shares 13 spooky tales along the way. The Ghost Walk departs nightly at dusk, only at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Call 843-361-2700 or visit MyrtleBeachGhostWalk.com for advance tickets. The Myrtle Beach Ghost Walk. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code H. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and hear women talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention hear women talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari. Safari Jeep Tour. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Broadcasting live. This is. Bringing man out of the cave. This is John Banks bringing man out of the cave on the Zeus Radio Network for Hear Women Talk. Just want to remind you, we have our phone number, 646-652-2071, 646-652-2071. We are blessed again today to be joined by Jenny Paul. And Jenny, uh, when we close our last segment, you brought up the daddy hole. And, I, you know, can you give me your best definition of that, Jenny? In your eyes. Well, the whole, it, my best definition is that it's a hole in your heart. You don't really know what it is. It's an it. And okay. you search your whole life for what it is. And a lot of it stems from lack of communication and lack of emotion from your dad to, well, in my case, it was to me. And... You know, there were many, many nights where I couldn't understand why he was the way he was. And it affected me, and it affected me. And, it, 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 you know, they say that your father, you know, the first man that you see, the first man that, you know, forms your relationships with men, <clears throat> um, never goes away. 
And even though you can understand the daddy hole, it stays with you your whole life. Now, you know, I've resolved it, but I can't say I 100% understand what it is. Uh, Jenny, you, you know, and, and you, one thing when you and I talked the other day, you mentioned that your father was uh, so gregarious and, and seemed loving and, and so warm to all, even his associates and everything he was doing in business when you see him on TV and doing things, and then you did not feel that same relationship back at home. Well, you know, men of that generation also felt that if they could go out and work and they could go out and earn a living, that was the best they could do, and that was their part. They didn't see that going to a baseball game with a kid or going to your violin concert or, or watching you at a school play was really that important. But the really important um, crux of keeping a family together was earning the money and then your part was done. You know, if you read farther in the book, he apologizes for that and he knows that he didn't spend quality time with his family and, you know, I think probably he shed a few tears about it himself once he realized it. But what do you do? You're stuck in the competitive mode of trying to win. You're stuck in the um, you're stuck in what you the only life you know. The only you know you carry on your your foundation. Um, and his foundation was from a family of twelve kids, Russian um, immigrants, who his parents came over from Russia, had twelve kids, and you know they were all um, like that. They were all very um, tight-lipped if I could put it. But when he got in a group of men, you know, and he was always with famous people, you know, all the ball players, and and he mentored quite a few successful people in baseball, that was his element. He came alive. He would come home and he'd be tired. You know, for all I know, he was an introvert who, who um, expended all his energy with other people, and then he came home and he had to sort of regroup. But I took it as a personal affront. And I took it as he didn't love me. And I took it as children should be seen and not heard. And all of that, a young girl can't process it. All you know is what you feel in your heart. And then, of course, to get his attention, I would go out and subconsciously or consciously, it doesn't make any difference, I would definitely pick the bad boys so that he would notice. But, you know, the funny thing is is that he never would come to me and say anything, but I heard years later that he did say things to other people. Well, why didn't he come to me? Like what did kinds of things did he say, Jenny? Oh, he would say to his friends, I wish Jenny wouldn't go out with that one or that one, or I wish that, you know, she, you know I'm going to take her out of my will or whatever. <laughs> wow. I heard years, years, la- years later that he expressed his displeasure uh, in other ways. But I think it's very common, and I think it's a problem that a lot of people have, and I think it's a problem that women of my age, in their 50s, feel a lack of connection to their dad, and they don't really totally understand it other than to say, well, it is what it is. Jenny did, uh, you know, your dad at, at and, and there, of course, given I got the book late yesterday evening and only got to read so much, were there any times that you you guys literally sat down and had some talks that were, you know, that that really talked about love, you know, not not talked about sports, the Yankees or or, or your career where it was going? Did you have talks that, that that you actually talked from the heart 
Not really, because as I as I say in the book, I really wanted to, but every time I tried to, I just couldn't muster up the courage. Every time I tried to come out with, why did you do this, or why did you do that, or this made me feel that way, I felt sorry for him, because he was a very simple man. He was self-made, he was a simple man, he was a great guy, and I turned it inward. I really thought it was my problem. I really thought that I was being too picky, or I was being... Um, you know, I shouldn't feel this way, or something's wrong with me, or something like that. I mean, I, you know, um, as soon as did, I did find you blame it in the your, book, did you blame yourself? I, of course, I blame myself. I think that it's very normal for a young girl to blame herself for something she doesn't understand. Sure. And um, you know, there, there's a part there's a part in the book where he he had had a big fight with George Steinbrenner. And uh, it was over a piece that I did on television uh, with Reggie Jackson. And I didn't get the interview with Reggie Jackson, who was not talking to the press at that time, but for a serendipitous event that happened. Um, <laughs> I walked in my apartment, and there was Reggie with my roommate. We both flew for TWA, and then I was on television and did a talk show and everything. And and uh, I, I must have introduced Reggie to my roommate, and there he was, and I was mad, and I took him home, and I said to him on the way home, you owe me an interview, and I'm going to be at the stadium tomorrow. And just so happened to be a time where Billy and Reggie were at the height of their fights, and, and, and they weren't getting along. And I sat down with a film crew at that time. It was film, and Reggie... Um, said he didn't want to be a Yankee anymore. Well, anyway, that went on New York television, and George was just absolutely livid, and he walked into Dad's office, and he called me every name in the book. Now, you would think that Dad would say that, that George called me every name in the book. He never told me. I didn't find out until last year the whole scenario of what happened when I got in contact with Dad's old secretary, Pearl Davis, and Pearl Davis said that she walked into his office and he was upset and, you know, she explained the situation that George and Gabe could have worked it out if they had more respect from each other, but that's not how it happened. And then he was reflecting on things that happened in the past and all of a sudden he said to Pearl, and I'll read this, this excerpt from the book, Mr. Paul said, I've been selfish in some ways. And I know now that you cannot be selfish and happy at the same time. I've not handled the love part of my life very well, and I've hurt those who have tried. I love to be loved. It was a moment of vulnerability I had not seen in all the years that I worked for him. I hide it from those close to me, especially my beautiful, gutsy Jenny. She should have been a boy, he said lovingly, with a smile tugging at the corners of his face. He treasured you so very dearly and I felt his pain as he spoke. And uh, Dad goes on to say to Pearl, I said a prayer for you today, Jenny, that you may not have known that I was thinking of you at this moment. I said a prayer for you today asking for your forgiveness, your well-being, your good health, your abundant love for all your tomorrows, your peace of mind, your strength of spirit, and especially your love for me. The greatest gift that I can give to you now is my prayers, and I gladly do so knowing that the Lord, whom I have come to know, is active in your heart and mind forever. You know, and the funny thing about that is, I never heard Dad mention the word God in my whole life. He was Jewish, and my mother was Episcopal, and we had we, we led separate religious lives. So when he was talking like that, it just totally took me by surprise. 
But it totally took me by surprise 12 years after he passed away. So there were so, so there were a, a number a number of things about your father and that relationship. It just like you learned about that, you you really didn't know. There were parts of him you didn't know that that took after, basically after his death and part of some of this writing this book for you to find out. Well, when he died, he wrote me his files and his diary, and I know that there was a book, Steinbrenner, that came out that um, had some of his tapes on there. In his private world, he was very, very honest and, and very personal. He dictated tapes. He wrote a diary every day. So when I started reading that diary and I started going through his files, I was like, oh, now I get it. But not everybody has the experience or the pleasure of reading files because not everybody keeps files. I mean, I was really lucky that he left behind a legacy. And his legacy wasn't owning four baseball teams. His legacy was his diary, his files, and the fact that now I could finally find out who the man really was, which is what I wanted to know all along. I just wanted a little piece of him. And, and it, well, the, the thing about that, Jenny, is, is, uh, Obviously, as a as a part of what he did, he was a very private man. Well, you know, there are a lot of people in business that are private to this day, and there are a lot of men who are private. I would say women are much more forthright in a sense, um, unless you're a Renaissance man. <laughs> John, are you a Renaissance man? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit out there. I don't. I'll, I'll live. A, I'll live a pretty much an open book. So. I can't. I can't say I'm that way. I'm a little more open and easy. And I, hey, I'm an emotional sort of guy, so I say what uh, what I feel a lot from the heart most of the time, which you know is is good and bad at times. So I may may be a little different. Jenny, I'll tell you a very interesting part uh, is I'd like to cover is your relationship with Billy Martin, and uh, I want to pick that up when we get back from the break. You're listening to the John Banks Show on Hear Women Talk from the Zeus Radio Network. We'll be back in just a second. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, this is Kay Van Hoosen, founder of Hear Women Talk. Every Monday, you can return to love with Jen Ward and Genuine Healing. Jen is an empath, a healer, and an intuitive, and Jen will show you how to remove blockages, heal yourself, and feel love. That's Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. Hello, race fans. This is Jeff Gilder, creator of RacersReunion.com. When you're in Myrtle Beach, check out my favorite, the Caravelle Resort. The Caravelle Resort has a golf department and concierge with golf privileges at virtually every course on the Grand Strand, including the coveted Dunes Club. And ladies, pamper yourself with Caravelle's Studio Spa, featuring services such as Swedish massage, heated stone therapy, reflexology, manicures, pedicures, facials, and more. Awaken your senses with the most requested massage and spa therapies. The Caravelle Resort, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 800-507-9145. Get the best rate on the Grand Strand when you use promo code RACERS at thecaravelle.com. 800-507-9145. That's galore. 
Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbys, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver. Life is good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats Galore at Barefoot.com. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. This is John Banks. You're listening to the John Banks Show. I'm here with uh, one of my regular co-hosts, Miss Tiffany Nixon, and uh, Dustin, and our our special guest today, Miss Jenny Paul, um, writer of the book The Yankee Princess. Uh, Jenny, uh, first, can you give us a little contact information about where people can find the book? Sure. Uh, it's on Amazon.com under The Yankee Princess. You have to put a the in front of it. Why Dad and I were in a league of our own. It's on barnesandnoble.com. It's on my website, which is theyankeeprincess.com. And the New York bookstores are carrying it. Barnes and Noble and Borders bought the book. And I think as we go along, we'll, we'll add to that list. The Kindle version is just now coming out. And uh, we put it out in paperback, so it was affordable for people who wanted it right away for Christmas presents. Uh, for their dads, daughters for their dads, and so basically that's that's it right now. Okay, well, uh, Tiffany, if you will do me a favor, if you could get that out on the chat, I, I don't know if you have that up. At least get that out as far as what her website is. I'd appreciate that. Sure, absolutely. Um, um, our telephone number is six four six six five two two zero seven one. I'd love to have some any calls and questions about the daddy hole. I do want to recognize somebody who's a part of this book, who is a, also a part of this network, Miss Jody Lynn Smith. I believe uh, aided you some in the, in the writing of this, Jenny. Is that correct? Yes, Jody is my co-author, and um, it was a long process because <laughs> this was a very difficult, very very difficult book to get out. First of all, any book has to have a storyline, and I kept saying, "Well, I feel this way, and I feel that way." Well, what's the story? What's the story? So you know, it is an interesting story as it goes along, and Jody did a great job with that. 
I did want to give Jody a plug. She's wonderful and does a lot of uh, special things on our show and our, our network, and uh, we sure appreciate Jody, and I want to give her that plug while while you're here. Uh, one, of the, <laughs> one, one of the relationships that you had that, um, and, and again, limited in the reading I had, that, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to say a term, and I, and I may be wrong here, and, and correct me, but it seems like an underlying thing. You, you had a relationship with, with Billy Martin, and you talked a little bit about him being a bad boy in this. But, you know, somehow in, in some of the, the writing I read from you, it almost sounded in the underlying that, that he may have been the love of your life. Well, the reason I talk about Billy in the way that I do is, first of all, Billy didn't judge me. He didn't judge himself. So how can he judge anybody else? <laughs> and with Yankee Stadium as my playground, I mean, we had a blast. Um, he was he was just a barrel of fun. Um, I didn't really want to marry Billy, but I loved him to death. So maybe the beauty of that is that I had no expectations. Because if I had had expectations of Billy... Then it would have been it would have been a disaster. I might have killed him, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he had lots of women out there who wanted to shoot him. Okay, well, <laughs> well, he, he didn't go out that way. So that's that's good. That's good at that side. But I, I uh, it, it just there was an endearing way that you spoke of him uh, in your words in the book, and it it uh, you know I think even he, there there are different relationships in our lives that we all run into that are sometimes much deeper. Uh, than others, and it just seemed like listening uh, to some of your words. Obviously, there was, and and maybe the fact that he did listen, and there was a part of him. Uh, maybe he opened up in a way that maybe you wish your father had. Well, he did. He did open up in a way that I wish that my father had. And he didn't judge me, like I said, which most men would put me on a pedestal. I mean, you know, the the daughter of the owner of the New York Yankees is always going to be put on a pedestal. Well, you you imagine going out to a bar and you'd like to meet somebody to hang out with and you tell them your dad is Gabe Paul and you're in New York City it was like whoa that takes on a whole life of its own <laughs> so I didn't want it to be that way but but I had no choice people you know either I had a problem a lot of times with people wanting things from me baseball tickets in particular mm-hmm. eventually the the the, the situation would get around to, hey, can I go to a game with you? Or something like that. And that immediately was like, you know, turned me off. But, um, so it was an odd position to be in. But the bigger, the bigger problem was, why did I choose unavailable men? And, and why do women choose unavailable men and then complain about it? You know, we're trying to bring the guys out of the cave, right? Right, we are. Here we are. Yes, we are. But, you know, if, if, if you're unavailable to begin with, you're staying in the cave. Well, do you think that possibly women might um, do that as a way to boost up their own egos? In other words, oh, well, you know, I know this guy is not available, but if I can get him to do A or B, then that makes me feel like I'm pretty awesome. No, I think it's an inherent way that women want to change men. And I think that, I, I don't know of any of my girlfriends that have not gone into relationships saying, well, you know, I can change this or I can change that. I mean, I went into every single relationship, even the relationship with my dad, I wanted to change. I didn't want it the way it was. Gotcha. So it's when you have expectations of other people that you run into the 
um, the self-sabotaging that women do to themselves. I mean, you know, I was I was a master out of it. <laughs> so do you think the trick to- is, for a healthy relationship, is the trick to lay not have so many expectations of the other person? Well, I think that's one way, but I don't think that's going to happen with a lot of people. I mean, it's kind of a catch-22. Okay, drop your expectations, and then you um, go out with a, a slobbering, blundering moron, and, you know, he's supposed to like them. <laughs> you know? I mean, so, hey, hey, so, hey, you don't be too hard on some of us You want your whole life, and so you go out with someone who hangs all over you, and you can't wait to get rid of them. You know, Jenny, it, it's it, not... <laughs> and what you're saying, Jenny, the, the thing about it is you, you're saying that, you know, why would a woman go out with an available man? Is it the idea that they uh, they don't have to, otherwise they don't have to sacrifice, not sacrifice, but they don't have to put themselves out there because they know the guy has nothing to give back? Well, no, I think it's I think it's the desire to if I change this person then I then I uh I, I feel like I've accomplished something. Um and, and honestly I can speak I can only speak for myself. I mean, you know, I tried Billy Martin was the only one I didn't try to change. And why was that? It was a constant it was a constant laughter with Billy. Well, I mean, you know, we were both drinking a lot and, and I can't drink a whole lot, but Billy could drink anybody under the table and so when I'd sit with them, you know, the drinks would come, people would just send them. I mean, I I, I put in one part of the book, I think there were ten drinks, ten martinis in front of me at one point. <gasps> I drank three of them and I threw up. I mean, I couldn't drink like they could, but I didn't have any expectations. I knew he was going to do what he was going to do, and I loved him anyway. That's That's what I think women should strive for. The unavailable, changing an unavailable person never really creates any satisfaction. At least it never did in me. Because when they would change, they'd only change for a small amount of time, then they go right back to the way that they were. And I didn't feel any sense of satisfaction from that at all. Well, did uh, well the fact that, uh, the, again, the unavailable guy, at least you don't have to put a commitment forward because he's already taken. I mean, that, that protects you from some pain. Well, that's that's the other part. The other part of it is that you really don't want a commitment. You know, that's right. a whole other psychological twist on it. That really, it's not the men who are unavailable. It was me who was unavailable because I was afraid that um, I was afraid that um, I couldn't live up to their expectations or whatever. Wow. So, that's that's probably the bottom line to all of all of it. But there's a lot more. Okay. Jenny, Jenny, you know the the it took you telling me it took you writing this book to really somewhat figure it out. <laughs> yeah, at some point in our lives, you hope you figure things out, right? At some point, you, you hit your head and you go, "Duh!" You know that's pretty obvious. <laughs> well, did you, did you, <laughs> you know, it's you, like, "Duh." Well, did, did you feel uh, did you feel um, a great release in, in doing this book? And when it was done, you know, I've, I've read the the you know the the epilogues or or the ending parts. Did did you get somewhat? I, I'm going to use the, the awful word closure. Did you did you get somewhat of that by doing this book? I did, I did. 
And um, the reason I did is because I took so many years going through his diary and going through his files, and I finally came to the conclusion that, you know what, he loved me, he did the best he could, and, you know, the fact that I, my frailties are asking for more than he could give me was just not, not the way to go. And so, you know, it was a lot of self-searching and self-exploration, and um, it, it takes two, but I'm finally at peace with the way things were, and I think I had a lovely life. <laughs> <laughs> and you're continuing I mean, to have. That's a, that's, a simplified, that's a simplified version of, of it. You know, do I still at some times have a twinge of, oh, you know, when I, when I walk outside, and honestly, I could go out any day of the year and see somebody in a Yankee hat. And when I look at somebody in a Yankee hat walking down the street, I mean, sometimes a flood of memories will come back. But I try not to take on any guilt or I try not to take on any blame and I try not to blame anybody else for anything that happened in my life. It is what it is. And, and you know, I'm lucky that I had, you know, like I said, baseball to tell the story because there's so many women out there who feel deprived in some way with a family member, and a family member has an effect on you your whole life. So to say that it's just black and white, it's not. It, it, it can stay with you your whole life, whether it be your relationship with your mother, your father, your your brothers, you know, whatever, a stepchild, you know, it gets to you because it, it, it tugs at your heartstrings. But I, I'm glad that it's over with because it was a very, very emotional um, quest. Writing this book and reliving my past was very, very emotional for me to the point where some days I just couldn't even function. Well, we're gonna, we're gonna. So I'm take, definitely glad that's over with. Well, that sounds good. That, we're gonna, we've got one more break to take, and then I'm gonna ask you about a uh, kind of remarkable episode um, that's in the book, and also talk about possibly a little bit about how we analyze the people in our families. Uh, looking for something in your case that that was never going to come because of what a part of its makeup. Um, right. We're going to be right back on the John Bang Show, bringing man out of the cave on the Zeus Radio Network from HearWomenTalk.com. This is Jessica Dorvaj, host of the Where Is My Guru show, and you are listening to Hear Women Talk Radio. Hi, this is Kay Van Hoosen, founder of Hear Women Talk. Every Monday, you can return to love with Jen Ward and Genuine Healing. Jen is an empath, a healer, and an intuitive, and Jen will show you how to remove blockages, heal yourself, and feel love. That's Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk. That's galore. Visit our store at 4822 Highway 17 at Barefoot Landing. We have the largest source of hats in the greater Grand Strand area. Tilly, Stetson, Indiana Jones, Wallaroo, Top Hats, Mad Hatter, Derbies, Felts, Fedoras, Cowboy, Golfer, Driver. Life is good. We carry a large selection of women's fashion hats as well as Red Hat Society hats. We also have an assortment of umbrellas, canes, and walking sticks. Hats Galore, located at Barefoot Landing 
in North Myrtle Beach. We are the best source for hats in the Grand Strand area. Hats galore at Barefoot. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari. Hi folks, this is Private Investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all of your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code A. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Broadcasting live, this is... Welcome back to Bringing Man Out of the Cave. We have decided to put John Banks into the cave here for just a moment. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? We are speaking Bye-bye, today. John. <laughs> We're speaking today with Jenny Paul, author of the new book, Yankee Princess. And um, before the break, we were discussing um, Jenny's relationship with her fathers and we briefly, with her father, and we briefly discussed her brothers. And I have a question for you, Jenny. When, okay. What happened to your brothers as they became adults in their love relationships? Did they have a similar experience as you did? Well, it wasn't exactly in their love relationships because they're all married and they've endured their marriages um, through trials and tribulations like everybody. Um, It was actually in their personal life of what they brought in, the baggage they brought into their marriages with all the, the things I've been talking about so far, the unavailable father. And it affected each brother a different way. Um, but I would say my oldest brother has not admitted it yet. Uh, my youngest brother said that it affected him, and we have a, uh, the couple middle brothers that affected them. But my oldest brother has a strange twist on it, and he just doesn't acknowledge it. 
but we know that that um, you know maybe maybe this will come out and maybe he'll come to terms with it. You know how some you know how some people say, "Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine." Oh yes. And then they realize, you know, years later that, oh wow, you know, I'm suffering from depression, and I don't know where that depression is coming from. Right. Well, I think uh, as we talk about an oldest son, I think uh, knowing uh, the many that I do, they are definitely the most stoic, almost of of any of the family members. So I'm not surprised to hear you say that, and uh, ones to not you know not give that up very easily, you know, um, right? And, and exactly. Say that very easily, right? Jenny, uh, an interesting thing happened and and maybe a uh although there was a lot of turmoil going on in your life at the time uh you had just uh broken up with with uh, a boyfriend you you had also uh become pregnant at the time which um and you were talking with your mother and you were very uh upset you were talking to her on the phone i think you were in uh you were in st louis or you in you were you were in st louis st louis you were in St. Louis, and you were on the phone with your mother. Tell us that story. Well, I used to suffer from depression, and I never could figure out why. I had a great life, quote-unquote, according to everybody, but I really suffered from situational depression because of all of this. And Dad never believed in doctors or anything, so, you know, when I did try to get help, he would just go, well, what's wrong with you now? And he didn't mean to be mean or anything. It was just his belief. So... You know, my depressions were really, really deep. You know, I go right into the black hole. And I was in the black hole one day. I called my mother and I said, you know, I'm going to, I was supposed to buy a house. I'm not going to the closing. I'm not going to quit TWA. I'm going to quit writing for the sporting news. I'm going to quit everything. I'm just going to give up. And she called the suicide prevention line. And <laughs> wow, you were I mean, on the I phone. really was depressed. And I scared her to death. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just going to end it all. And I, what I meant was like I was going to end everything. I was going to quit my jobs. I was going to, I didn't know what I was going to do. But I was really running away from the feeling of being depressed. And I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. So she told Dad that I needed help. And my father was in Cleveland. He went an hour down to the stadium to get his bag. He went to the airport, which was another 45 minutes, and he showed up on my doorstep while I was still on the phone with this suicide prevention line that Mother had told to call me. And I was yakking away, you know, about how life isn't worth anything and, you know, I just don't want to live. And and I really, you know, I really felt that way. I really felt desperate, and I felt, you know, I wasn't going to blow my brains out, but I was desperate. I was, like, clenching my fists, and I was trying to figure out, how am I going to get out of this black hole? There were many times in my life where I'd sink into the black hole. I don't I don't feel that now after the book, but right. there were many, many times growing up, and for a myriad of reasons. And my dad showed up on my doorstep, and he knocked on the door, and I opened up the door, and I'm still on the phone with the suicide prevention line, and there's my dad. And, I mean, it gives me goosebumps when I talk about it today. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know what to do, but he was there. He needed to be there for you in whatever way he He was there. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I thought that was, I mean, did that that kind of make you rethink everything you had thought in the past, that, that there he was, that he showed up in that situation? It did later on when when you're in the deep deep depths of depths of depression. You know sometimes you, you you appreciate things, but you can't fully appreciate them until you sort of like step out of the black hole. Right. So in writing the book, when I wrote that chapter, 
yes, that was a revelation. Wow. But, you know, there were other things that he did that showed that he cared, too. I just couldn't see them. You know, I, I was in the media at a very early age when I was in the 20s, my 20s, and I was in my 20s. Yankee Stadium was my playground. My dad was president of the Yankees. I mean, you can't process all of that, and I was on television in New York, so it was really difficult. Everybody would would be saying, what's so difficult about that? All I say is, you know, walk in my shoes, and then you would figure it out. I would think it must have been really hard for you, Jenny, to when you met people to know whether they wanted to be your friend or your boyfriend or girlfriend whatever just because they liked you rather than who you are well that was difficult and that's why Billy and I got along so great because I didn't care if he liked me or not sometimes I didn't like him either Mm -hmm. but it wasn't a big deal he had 50 million other girls to go to anyway (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't a big deal you know Jenny, um, so you know, it, it, like the, the the expectations and the judgments weren't there. So, Jenny, we, and he we, knew my dad, and it was a different. It was a different. Yes, yes, Tiffany, we, we, it was really difficult. Wow. We, we, I, Jenny, I would like to ask you to to hold to see uh, one day if we could have you on again when I finish your book because I'm going to have some more questions from it. But again, give us how our our listeners can find you and the book and also about a signing you have coming up. Well, first of all, um, Jody and I will be in Polly's Island at um, the out Frank's Outback from 6 to 8 this Thursday, and we'll be doing a book signing. And then you can find the book on Amazon.com, The Yankee Princess, Why Dad and I Were in a League of Our Own. You can find it on Barnes & Noble, and if you happen to be in New York City, you can find it in the bookstores, Barnes & Noble and Borders. That's fantastic. Uh, Jenny, thank you for being on with us and sharing sharing the daddy hole with us. And like I said, I've got a feeling I'm going to have some more questions for you when I finish this. And we'd love to have you on again. We've enjoyed having you. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. And thank you uh, for your time today. Well, John, thank you and Tiffany and Dustin. And I'd be happy to come back on again. Just let me know. Thank you, that'd Jenny. Wonderful. That'd be wonderful. Uh, Tiffany, yes. as always, thank you, dear. Thank you. We'll, we'll see you next week. See you next Monday. Dustin, take care. To all you listeners, thank you so much for listening to the John Bank Show, bringing man out of the cave on the Zeus Radio Network and your women talk. We appreciate you listening. Take care.